Number one, the money avoider, so not dealing with it. Number two, the money worshiper, thinking that troubles are going to end if you have more money. Number three, money status, so self-worth equals net worth. And then money vigilance, which is being nervous about those funds. So think about it in your own life. Like where do you feel like that's resonating with you right now? And then also maybe in the past if that's been different. I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. Finances is one of the most requested topics and probably one of the least served topics that we talk about as women. But for most people, it's equal parts taboo. So the conversation of I'd rather go to the dentist than talk about this. But it's so important. And to Amy and I, it's extremely important. In episode 26, we did talk with Tiffany Alice, and she's the budget nista. She laid down some really amazing groundwork in that episode and had a lot of our followers taking notes. So we're going to continue the conversation today, but just with Amy and I. We'll bring on more experts in the future. We promise you that. But we thought it'd be important to add ourselves into the conversation and what we're doing individually and as couples to make finances work. Your voice sounds very solemn. <laughs> You're like setting the stage. For- <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but I completely agree. I think as women that are in our mid-30s, we can be leaders in this conversation. Not the fact that we know it all, but we're willing to show our past experiences places we've stumbled, as well as where both of our families are at in a way of helping you guys with tangible tips. So we hope that you're going to take a lot from this episode today. If I could go back in time, I would tell myself, Amy, this isn't going to go away. I've been very open and honest about my financial history in a lot of the past episodes, but it is safe to say that in my 20s, I was struggling with this. I just did not know how to manage money. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have goals. I was kind of floundering. And I tell Drew very openly, I'm so thankful that in our partnership, this is an area where he is strong because I was weak, but I was able to be helped and coached and I was on board for that. It was like something I was always desiring, but it just felt like I didn't know the steps to get there. So I'd rather avoid the topic at all costs. But sometimes when you enter into partnership, that's not an option anymore. Mm, It's not. It's not. We get a lot of questions, Amy, about what you guys do with your financial meetings. So every single month, the keepers meet for a financial meeting. So can you go into some more details about why you do this? And what do you do? Like, I know that, <laughs> that I, I see you guys. Some, sometimes he used to dress up. I, yeah, yeah, I, I've been yeah. following you for a long time. And Drew used to dress up in a nice little tie and, and dress shirt. I don't think you guys do that anymore. But what do you actually do at these meetings? Well, first, I'll start by saying how it started. So we went to... Um, 
we had to, through our church, go to premarital counseling with marriage mentors, which just means that they were people that have been married for a long time. And they had a framework that they talked us through. I think there were five different things, all the way from conflict resolution to finances. When we sat down and we had that talk with two older adults, it felt really important. Like, they were just painting the picture of how important finances are in marriage. It's one of the leading causes of divorce if people have financial disagreements or um, issues. So it was helpful for Drew and I to just understand how important this was because I think until, until that point, we hadn't really talked about it that much. We were dating, you know, just about to be married. Of course, it came up a little bit, but we didn't really have a framework. So one of the things they said was how important transparency was. And that's how this all started. So Drew and I have been married Happy, how long have we been married? Six years. Six years. Yeah, six, <laughs> six years. years. <laughs> I almost said seven. Uh, always no seven trying year to, rich. No seven year Trying rich to give myself <laughs> extra credit. So Every single month of our marriage, you guys, we have met about finances. So this is something that has been ingrained into our relationship. And I can report that it's been really, really helpful because I can't even remember one fight that Drew and I have had about money. Oh, wow. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. Every single month, Amy. Okay. So what do you actually do at these meetings then? I mean, obviously it's working. If you're not fighting about money, something's working. Yeah. So we start out by, there's just like these monthly things that we have to take care of each month. We are a little bit old school. So just to say, obviously we're giving you guys ideas, suggestions, people are going to handle this subject differently. So you can just take this all at face value. But we start by paying and discussing our bills. Um, You know, even if your bills are on auto pay, it can be important to kind of take a look at it, make sure it's not higher than expected. Um, So we start with that. Next, we talk about our individual credit cards. So Drew and I are very transparent in our finances, but we've always kept individual credit cards. So anything that we're doing for ourselves, like for me, an eyebrow wax or a coffee with a friend or anything like that, clothes, I put on my individual card as does Drew. So then we pay and review those. So he would say, Amy, how much is your personal credit card? And I would say, you know, $450, whatever it is. If it's higher than expected, he would just maybe ask, like, (laughs) what are some of your bigger charges? Like, what are you doing over there? And I feel like it's my job not to get defensive, like to understand we treat it as this is both of our money. And so if it's higher than expected, I should be able to share with him what I bought. Um, And that part goes smooth. Like I said, we don't really have big financial disagreements. So we go through that. Well, and even when you go through just looking at a credit card bill, sometimes there's things that pop up. They're like, wait, was that me? Like, did I spend that money? Yeah, yeah. Like, Colin and I have seen so many just like $5 charges that were fraudulent or some that are a lot bigger just yeah, yeah. by going through and having that conversation. And if it is higher, maybe you're like, oh, of course I spent this, this, and this, and this. But actually going through it with your partner, you're like, oh, wait, I actually did not spend that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one's not me. That one's not me. <laughs> um, and then the last note on individual credit cards, it, it helps because then Drew and I, 
he's not looking at every single charge. So if we have different values when it comes to spending money, like I really highly value coffee and I don't mind getting lattes and spending my money on that um, each week, I definitely get one. And so he doesn't have to see every little charge like, oh, baby, you really needed M&Ms again today, which is our <laughs> local coffee place. Um, it keeps us from like bickering about anything like that. But then obviously we're both accountable to each other for the full bill. (laughs) Um, So we pay those and then we review our accounts and we talk about where we are. So we've got several strategies for this part of the meeting. Drew is very old school in a sense. So we have an Excel spreadsheet that he tracks all of our accounts on. Um, It's just really nice to be able to see like where they are every month. There's no guesswork, like you know what you're doing with your money. He also uses a website called Personal Capital, which updates in real time. So he's got multiple tabs open during this meeting. I'm a little more (laughs) passive during this part, but he lets me know because we have some big goals. For example, right now, we want to do some updates to the outside of our house. So we're trying to hit a target number in our savings account to be able to pay for that project in full. Let's go into more on that. So how do you plan ahead at these meetings? Like if you do have those big expenses coming up, like any house projects, like, I don't know, a a trip. I can't even imagine going on a trip right now. (laughs) How do you talk about those types of things? Yeah, so that's the next part of the meeting. We'll just say, do you know of any upcoming expenses that you have, like any bigger expenses? So if I were going on a girl's weekend, um, like when I went out to Portland with my girlfriends, obviously I'm going to spend a pretty good amount of money to fly out there, do, you know, dinners, whatever. So I would bring that up. Um, And then obviously, we have some joint bigger upcoming expenses. So this is really the part of the meeting where we're kind of in planning mode for our future. We saved for our basement. So we finished our basement just the way we wanted to. And we had saved for a while for that. So that felt really rewarding. But in all of the previous financial meetings till we got to that point, we could talk about how much closer we were to hitting that number that we were looking for in our account before we wanted to um, start that project. So that was on the Excel spreadsheet then? Like your savings for that basement project were also on that? Yeah, we have... um, a savings account. And so we just know what figure we want that savings account to be at. We talk Mm -hmm. about that ahead of time. And so we're just getting closer and closer. It kind of builds excitement. And then we, you know, Drew and I, we buy things when we can afford them. And we feel really lucky that we have that amount of income. Um, But to say we're very diligent about those numbers and making sure that we are making sound financial decisions. I love that. Okay, so what else do you do at this meeting? You pay all your bills, you go through your accounts, you talk about um, any type of expense that's coming up. What else happens at this meeting? So the last thing we do is we talk about goals. Um, Here at the end is where we talk about our long and our short-term goals that we are saving towards. Um, So like I was saying, you know, that's you can watch a long-term goal become a short-term goal. So when we were saving for our basement, 
we had this, you know, big amount of money we needed. But then as the project nears, you know, first you're paying your contractor $20,000, whatever it is. And then you're picking out your fixtures and you're doing Mm -hmm, this and you're mm -hmm. doing that. So we had to talk about it in more of a short term sense at that time. So we closed the meeting by talking about our long and short term goals. And that can be a lot of different things. So for example, we have a 529 Advest account for each one of our children. And so each year we want to put a certain amount of money in that. Um, So that might be a relevant conversation before the end of the year. So maybe probably this next meeting or November, we'll be talking about that. Um, When I switched from my nursing job where I had the Wisconsin retirement system in place, I don't have that anymore. You know, your entrepreneur life. So we had to look at the numbers and see where we wanted to be. So um, we had different strategies to get us there. What did we want my retirement to look like now that I'm on my own? Mm. So those were really relevant conversations. We just finished that process up. That took forever. I take longer than you think though. Like those are the conversations that do take longer than you think. Okay. So Amy, do you guys talk about finances at all in between or do you save like all the conversation topics for that monthly meeting? You know what? That's a great question. And it is pretty nice because the system that we have set up, it's pretty much at the meeting. But it is safe to say that we're six or seven years into this marriage now. We have habits in place that we feel really good about. So when I researched this topic, I know some of the experts actually recommend meeting every two weeks. Because if you need to turn your ship around, if you're like, wow, you guys, like this is too much, this feels intense, meeting more often would actually be helpful because you could gain some momentum pretty fast and you might have more layers of your onion to unpeel. Whereas Drew and I have been at this for so long that we just know how we're spending our money, like our day-to-day. We don't really have to talk day-to-day about what we're doing as much. But we are in a different place. When we were first together, you know, we were buying a house, paying for a wedding, um, doing all of this stuff. So we used to have to talk about it more because our incomes were lower and we had more, seemingly more to pay for. So that was a season where we were having to like talk a little bit more. Okay. Now, that is one of my most asked questions. Every time I bring up our financial meeting on Instagram, I get so many messages. And that's why we wanted to do this podcast episode. We Mm -hmm. feel like it's a Mm -hmm. topic where people are so thirsty for more information, but a lot of us can't handle some of the you know, older teachers or like the old school ways of thinking about it. So we wanted to make this a really approachable episode for those that are interested, but they can't handle listening to like someone beat them over the head with a finance book. So now let's turn the conversation to the green household. What do you guys do to stay on the same page? Do you have anything like we have in place or how do you guys handle Well, it's kind of ironic because I'm so scheduled and I love organization, but I don't have an Excel spreadsheet or a monthly meeting. (laughs) That's like shocking to me. (laughs) We did at one point, though. So it's, it's definitely been a journey. We had to save for a million things, just like at any beginning of a relationship. We had to save for a lot of things at the beginning. But I think that right now, our habits, our triggers, just our behaviors around money 
it's so ingrained that we don't meet on a scheduled basis because we just have these habits already in place. We use a very Morgan Housel way of thinking about things with having an end in mind. So we always have a goal in place and we're trying to figure out what is that goal and how we're going to spend our money on a day-to-day basis in order to meet that goal. So it started off with just bringing bank accounts together. And we do, so Dave Ramsey is very famous for that envelope method. Yeah. Envelope method works well for a lot of people. It's when you have individual envelopes for individual things. Maybe it's house bills. Maybe it's an individual Abbey fund, an individual Colin fund, a you know wedding fund at that point. Instead of having individual envelopes, we just set them Wait, up as Wait, to be debit. clear, yeah. his system is that you have cash in those envelopes. Yes. So instead of having cash in the envelopes, we used more of a 2020 way of thinking and had yeah. individual debit cards attached to it. In those envelopes. No envelopes. So in our <laughs> bank account, we had individual debit card accounts. Okay, okay. So Colin had a credit card. I had a credit card. We had a home fund that money would come out of. That was all of our, our stuff that we would share together. We had an HSA fund, which is for health type stuff. We had a wedding fund. And then we had an 1860 Loris, our rental property fund. So that sounds really confusing. But if you just break it down individually, we would make sure that money was automatically put into those accounts every month. So you can set that up with your employer, where not as an entrepreneur, most likely, but many employers, you can put money into those accounts automatically. So we never had to think about it. It was just automatically going into those accounts. Okay, my question to you is, with my personality, because I've heard that suggestion from other people, Mm -hmm. that sounds very overwhelming, but just coach us that it's not. It's overwhelming to set up. I will say that to set up. A lot of work trying to figure out how much money goes into each account. But once you have the system in place, it's on auto drive. Like it's automatically going every single month and you never have to think about it. So we figured out how much are our bills every month. Think about your electricity bill, your water bill, the heating bill, uh, internet, those types of things. We added those up and that money automatically got put into the home fund. We then thought about how much is our wedding going to cost? And that's a lot harder. Many people might not be at that point right now, but think about all the wedding like funds and all the wedding yeah, fees. Yeah, yeah. You don't really know exactly what it's going to cost, but we just had money automatically set aside so that when those bills started coming in, so it was just a it. percent of both of your paychecks. It was. My friend Katie messaged me when I brought finances up the other week. She said that they have her and her husband have eighty percent of their paychecks go into a joint account for you know anything house, kids, whatever future planning. And then 20% goes into their individual accounts so that they have this blend. I got this a lot. A lot of people responded with this. They have a blend approach. So 80% is together and then 20% they feel like they have autonomy and they don't have to check in with each other or ask what the person is spending money on. And that's a good way of doing it. Yeah. like And especially if you have very, very different salaries, it might be easier to do those percentages. Colin and I were making pretty much the exact same dollar amount when we both started. So we were able to do dollar amounts in some of the funds and percentages in others, if that makes sense. So yeah, but that's also weird. Like say, say one, say she makes a lot more than her husband. Do you think she should have more money going into her account? Well, if it's percent, wouldn't that mean that she gets more individual money? Yeah, but she's also putting more into oh, the, yeah, yeah. the home account. So it's, it works both ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's <laughs> confusing. See, that trips me up a little bit, but other people function really, really well in that system. So to say there is a lot 
of different options. And I will say it was confusing. So where you had the Excel spreadsheet that may have been difficult to set up or for Drew to set up most likely at the beginning, once it's in place, it's a lot easier. Once those envelope methods or the debit card method was in place, so easy. And we've like slowly been able to close debit card accounts. Like we don't have a wedding fund to pay for anymore. For instance, we sold our rental property a couple of months ago because again, our goals changed. So thinking back to the goals, we had to pay for a wedding. We had to put a down payment on a house. Once those things were set, it was like, okay, we want to go on a really nice vacation. So that was the next thing in mind. Then it was paying off the rental property. Like that was a really, really big goal, obviously. And all of our savings or the extra money was going towards that. Now our goals aren't attached to dollar values, but more to feelings in our life. So we want to have more freedom. We want to have less responsibility. We want to have more Why did you guys have three kids? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but that's, that's also why, Amy, why we sold our rental property like two months before Owen was born. Yeah, yeah. Because we knew that we were adding on this responsibility. We also knew that I was having an unpaid maternity leave for three months and that we needed to save money ahead of that or have money set aside for that. So that's why we sold that rental property at that time. But let's pause for a moment and talk through our podcast sponsor for this week's episode. The research shows that finances can lead to a lot of disagreements and a lot of arguments in a relationship. So if this is something that does pop up in your marriage, in your relationship, or if you're having other issues, talking to a licensed therapist can be a huge, huge help. And BetterHelp has over a million people who are using their service. They're opening up new slots and having new therapists join on every single month. And you can join us with a discount. So by using www.betterhelp.com backslash herself, you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp.com backslash herself for the 10% discount. And I know from knowing you and Colin, you two were pretty much on the same page of trying to become debt-free. We were. So that, again, is a very, very big Dave Ramsey approach. Yeah. And we were both on board with that. So one of our big goals was we want to have the flexibility, the freedom, the not having to be tied to a mortgage. And that meant being debt-free at some point. So after paying off our cars our student loans after paying off that rental property, making sure that the wedding was well paid for and that we had some set it, some set aside in our savings, we were able to start chunking money towards our home mortgage. And I will say it's been two years now, so we are debt-free officially as of about two years ago. So the same month that Colin turned 30, we were able to pay off our mortgage. That's amazing. It, it is. I felt really, really good. I will say, though, that as soon as that goal was hit, we were very, very happy for a second. And then all of a sudden, there was like another goal that had to be in place. So it's an interesting way of thinking about it, because being debt-free doesn't automatically mean happiness. So I just want to put that across. Or wealth. Or wealth. There's so many ways of looking at the finance, financial piece right. of it. So Grant Cardone, for instance, he's another – I'm going to bring up a bunch of these money gurus just because we've obviously done I don't know on one me. person's name. <laughs> She's like – I know Dave Ramsey yeah, and so Rachel Dave Cruz. Ram- there we go. And yeah. the budget nista. I'm like, who is she's like name dropping all these people? So we use budget nista's avalanche approach where we like yeah. paid off the highest amount of debts first or highest amount of uh, interest. interest first. We use Dave Ramsey with really trying to go debt free to have that flexibility and freedom. Grant Cardone is the exact opposite where he's like always hold debt because if you can get 
ten percent in the stock market instead of paying four percent on a mortgage. Yeah, yeah. In the long run, it makes a lot more sense. So again, there's different ways of looking at it. There's no right way to do it. It's just our goal was flexibility and freedom, and that could only be attained by not having debt. That's really, really interesting because I remember when you were doing that and, you know, Rachel Cruz was big, all the things I got kind of into it. I'm like, babe, let's do this. Mm -hmm. Let's go. I feel like I do good with goals. So it just spoke to me. And then Drew, as we've said before, he is more Grant Cardone, whom Mm -hmm. I just learned about. (laughs) He's like, no, babe, we should invest our money because here's what we're making in the stock market. Here's our return. Um, Our mortgage interest rate is super low. So, you know, he had, so just to say that you guys might have to fuse your approaches because I believe that in partnership and I don't care who's making what or whatever it is, it is healthy and it's good to get on some what of the same page. So it doesn't mean that Drew gets his way and we're full out stock market bulls. And it doesn't mean Amy gets her way and we're paying down our mortgage at a fast rate. We met in the middle. So we're still paying ahead. That feels really good to me. I feel like when we have a chunk of money, we're able to put out our mortgage. Mm -hmm. I'm like Mm -hmm. doing a happy dance. I'm like, I feel so that feels good to me. That feels like an accomplishment. Um, so to say that you guys might have to sit down, listen without getting defensive, talk without, you know, trying to hammer them over the head and say, this is what, this is how I feel. This is what I value. I'm more conservative. I like security. I think it's in the way that I grew up. I just feel like I want to make sure I never have a money issue. Right, right. Um, so that also really plays into it. And I honestly believe that when your values align with your goals, that's when you create that happiness. And it's going to look different in every human being and also in every relationship. So coming to that compromise is the only way that you're going to actually see that happiness. Otherwise, you're always going after the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. You're never feeling settled. Um, I just think about like our parents, for instance, like Colin's parents and my parents, very, very different people. Colin's parents love to buy things, to spend money on the kids. And they're happy with that. Their goals and their habits are aligning. Where my dad wanted to save every single penny and retire early. His habits, again, aligned with his values and his goals, and that made him happy. So just think about in your own life, with your relationship, what are those goals? And that is going to ultimately bring that happiness. I just believe that for most people, no matter your financial situation, because we do um, obviously know there's people that are in tough spots right now, there has to be a plan in place. Because if you're operating and you don't have a plan, you don't know where your ship is heading. And so I think that this conversation is just important that you guys sit down, whether that's with yourself or with your partner, and figure out where the ship is going because it's not going away. Like I'm... 22-year-old Amy, 24-year-old Amy, I want to shake her by the shoulders and be like, this isn't going away. So like, let's figure this out. Might be hard, might be uncomfortable. I forgot to mention in the last, when we were talking about the financial meetings, the first few I showed up with sweaty palms in a, in a really fast heart rate, and I'm not even being dramatic, although I know I am. 
it was scary. It was like this time in my life where I was accountable to someone else and this future we were planning together. So I had some spending habits and some like doing things under the table. You know, I would have these purchases and I'd be like, oh, I don't want to tell Drew that I got another pair of Alliance, you know, like he's going to be like, why did you need that? So I can say living in transparency, being confident with our financial plan has made me feel like there's this huge weight off my shoulders and it's not a stressor, which again, we're blessed that money isn't a stressor for us. But I do believe the planning has helped it be that way because when you, even when you make more money, you could just spend more money and be in the same state, which is like what we see people doing. Um, So I think that this conversation is super important. I also wanted to point out that this is much more than dollars and cents. When I was researching this topic and reading a book, um, it's actually our book club book, Mm -hmm. How Not to Hate Your Husband After Kids, there is a chapter dedicated to finance. And that makes perfect sense because when you add in... um, when you add in a kid, a lot of adults feel much more pressure in this area. Like now you have another human or a few that you're Mm -hmm, responsible mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. in this really big way. And that can cause more fighting. Um, But the author was talking to a financial therapist, which means literally that this person helps, you know, give people therapy about money because often it is tied to things that happened in their past, you know, values that they have, mindsets that they have that really impacts their ability to deal with money and also deal with money with their partner. And know that a financial therapist is different than a financial advisor. So where a financial advisor is going to teach you, this is what to do with your money. This is where to invest. A financial therapist looks at all those habits, triggers, background, history. Like what fights you guys are getting (sighs) into. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are four different, very common money scripts that negatively impact a person's financial health. So I thought that this would be really interesting if I said them and Abby, maybe you could share which one kind of resonates with you and I'll do the same. Number one is a money avoider. These are people that don't want to deal with it or even think about it. That was me in my early 20s like that. I totally can relate to that one. Number two is a money worshiper. Those who believe that their troubles would all be over if they just had more dollars. I'd like to take a second to quote Notorious B.I.G. here. More money, more problems. Because I think (laughs) that that's it's such an easy mindset to get into. Like if we just had more we would be fine. We would be happy. What would there be to worry about? And it's like, guys, life always smacks you over the head, no matter how much money you have. And if you don't have the right habits, and you're not managing it well, you know, there's plenty and plenty of athletes and celebrities and regular people that could show you that they accumulated a lot of money. And then all that money was went away, you know, And that one really resonates with me, especially 
five years ago, Abby, of being like, oh, all I need to do is just make another bonus or just yeah, make yeah. another sale and then I'm going to be happy or then I'm not going to have any more issues. No, once you hit that, you just want more. Sometimes I think you still have a I, little oh, I, teach of that. I have that, maybe not exactly with money, but with life in general, like yeah. with always wanting kind of that next step and wanting, okay, I, I got to this goal. Oh, wait, what's next? And yeah, looking around yeah, yeah. for that next thing. Yeah. Um, Number three is money status. Those for whom self-worth equals net worth. Number four, money vigilance. Those who are nervous about funds to the point of self-deprivation. I think that is who I am today. Okay, go into that. So I just feel like a squirrel with nuts. Like I just want, like I said, I want to pay off our house. I want to do these things. I make more money than I have in the past and I spend less. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. We do. And to say like Drew and I do, we finished our basement and we want to do these home projects. So there are places that we're spending money, but for myself, I don't buy as many clothes. I don't Mm -hmm. like it feels like I'm operating on like a shoestring budget. I don't think it's a bad thing, but I do think there's some scarcity that I could unpack with a therapist probably. (laughs) Maybe I should bring that up in my therapy appointment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we were even talking about things with the podcast, like $10 increments of how to make our lives easier with the podcast. And it's like, well, should we do this? Should we do this? Like bringing that up. It's like, yes, this is going to make our life a lot easier. And it's $10. Like these are things that we do need to do. So again, going over those, number one, the money avoider. So not dealing with it. Number two, the money worshiper thinking that troubles are going to end if you have more money. Number three, money status. So self-worth equals net worth. And then money vigilance, which is being nervous about those funds. So think about it in your own life. Like where do you feel like that's resonating with you right now? And then also maybe in the past if that's been different. And I think it's tough too when you add your partner in because maybe you have like incompatible money personalities. One of you is very vigilant and the other person – um, really wants to spend more or like it's a status symbol for them. I think that's where couples can kind of get into um, some trouble. So maybe even discussing like one time I asked Drew out of the blue, like we we sometimes do this. I'm like, what is your biggest fear just in life in general? And he said, financial ruin. Oh my gosh, and I was really? like, I've literally never even thought of that. As like a fear that he would say, just saying there's like these deep rooted things Financial that each of us yeah, could have yeah. really gotten into that, yeah. have inside of us that, you know, we probably have never addressed or even said out loud because it feels vulnerable. It feel it can feel silly. You're like, I don't even know why I have this. Like I have a very stable income. Um, so just diving into some of those deeper topics. When we talk about mismatched sex drives with Vanessa Marin, this is mismatched financial drives or financial backgrounds. You brought up before, Amy, that you had sweaty palms when you came into some of those meetings, and it's actually a biological thing. Just talking about finances actually releases the fight or flight response in people. Just talking about money. I guess I'm not really sweating right now, but it's probably because we like have prepared this and talked about it a little bit. But some of these topics, like if you come off offhand, it's like, oh, I don't know if I want to talk about that right now. Well, yeah, I remember <laughs> that one episode we recorded a long time ago. It's 
probably one of our first the first time you told our community that you were debt free, your voice was like cracking. Your armpits were sweating. I was like, Abby, like, it's okay. It's a nerve wracking. That was our absolute first episode. And we were going through the 10, just like 10 things about each of us. Yeah. And I remember being like, I, can I even put this as one of them, Amy? Can I even talk about this? Because it feels shameful. Like, Abby accomplished a big goal, but we never want to come across like we're bragging on something, especially those of us that have been conditioned as women. Mm -hmm. It just, it feels like an off-putting topic, but it's exciting to show up here on a podcast and be really transparent about something that a lot of women are not going to talk about. They're not going to talk about it. So we are. (laughs) So we are. Let's go into a little bit more details on spenders versus savers, because I think that in a relationship, sometimes there's a spender, sometimes there's a saver, sometimes you match up, and sometimes you are so far off that you need to figure out, how do I even start the conversation to come towards my partner? And again, your partner isn't going to be wrong, or we're not bashing your partner if he or she has a different idea on the spending versus saving, but just coming to an agreement and not having that sweaty palm approach, Amy, that you had every time you came to those financial meetings. Um, Amy and I both have similar backgrounds. Same thing with Colin and Drew with very, very hardworking parents, people who started off with very little, worked their way, worked so hard in order to provide a good living for kids. And all of us came across or came away from that experience with different habits surrounding that money. So for instance, my parents, we grew up making very, very little. Like we were on food right. stamps, um, WIC program. Um, sometimes I had a babysitter. Sometimes I would be on my dad's lap on the farm yeah. for eight hours while he got the corn ready or whatever it was that we were doing that that season. And out of that, I came up with that scarcity mindset a little bit of I need to save, I need to always be frugal, I need to make sure that I'm always holding on to this money in order to save for something that might come up. Colin had a very similar setup where he didn't have very much money. His mom was able to provide a great living eventually, but once he was able to have that money, he's like, it feels good to be able to spend this because for once in my life, I have the money in order to spend. And not that he's like spending willy-nilly all the time, but he will put up the AC to make it a little bit more comfortable in the house where I'll make sure to open up all the windows and then close them as soon as it's about to get too warm the next day. Or I'll make sure to make coffee and lunch before we go out where he'll just automatically want to buy it. So it's those little changes every single day that I'm just like, oh gosh, we grew up in the same type of household, but we came out of it in a different way. And that's that's really so interesting because I feel like I have literally been all over the board. You know, same... Um, Grew up very working class, hard working family, you know, did not have a lot of money. There was definitely money scarcity. My parents did an amazing job because we didn't feel the stress that was actually there now that we're older. And my dad will tell me about um, how stressful it was. When you had six kids in your family, too. Yeah. There's a lot of kids. Yeah. And so then when I had my first job out of college, like I said, I was really spending almost as much as I could. Like I would spend money and pay my bills. And that was that. Was that. I was not saving for the future at all, even though I was making enough that I could have. Um, and now I have rebounded like almost too far the other way. So I feel like I've got to uh, figure it out. Drew also grew up on a farm, very, very conservative upbringing. And I think 
that sometimes too, it impacts us and it's not always a negative way. Sometimes it's very positive. Drew and I often talk about like, okay, we don't need much. You know, we grew up very happy people and and loving families. Like you don't always need the bigger house or the next thing. Like we have to sink in right here that we don't want to be the next thing, the next thing when it comes to spending money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the big, a big transition that we have recently, very, very recently made, like last three months, Amy, when I'm even thinking about talking about this, like we were, once we paid off our house, all of a sudden, every big house with the big front porch and the bigger lot all of a sudden looked really enticing. And it just took us, I mean, since Owen was born, and just a couple months before he was born to be like, our focus needs to be inward, inward and upward. And that can't happen if we're always chasing that next thing. So we both are on the same page of we have this money that we can now give, like give, give as much as we want to. And for the first time in our life, we're able to do that. And that right now feels so good to both of us. So, and that was one thing that growing up too, like we weren't able to give very much because we were just trying to hold on to every little penny for our our small family. And then when we were able to finally start giving, I could just see it in my mom's eyes, like her putting the $5 in the offering plate at church was like, this is what I can do this week. This feels amazing. And I feel the exact same way when we give online to our church or give our time or give other resources. That's what feels so good right now. So as we go through this, like just all these different pieces of saving versus spending, what other things come up in your relationship right now, Amy? Like, are there, are there any other mismatched drives between the two of you as we kind of close out the conversation here? Um, I feel like Drew and I do a pretty good job of staying on the same page. We have um, similar tastes, I think, sometimes mm-hmm. when we're making a decision like, okay, should we have, uh, when we were finishing our basement, this countertop or this countertop, I think he would, um, he would save if he could. Yeah. Where I'm like, okay, if we're going to do this, we're doing it once. This is the one that I really love and I think looks incredible. Let's go with this one. Like, I think I have an easier time being like big, big long picture like I'd rather spend just a little bit more if I'm completely in love with the pick Mm -hmm. than always be looking to save that and I think he's come a long way on that like we're pretty aligned well it's the same type of people who will buy something because it's on sale even if they don't actually like it it's like no buy it regardless if it's on sale or not do you like it are you going to actually wear this because it's going to be wasted money if it's just sitting in your closet And then we just wanted to end by saying we have super big hearts for this topic, obviously, with our both of our backgrounds growing up in um, households that didn't make that much money. We just wanted to say we understand that everyone is in a different financial position. We are just trying to come forward with good information for you guys um, and meet you exactly where you are today. So whatever your you know, if this is a struggle in your marriage, or if you guys are just seeking to get a little bit further down the road on this subject, I think that the takeaways from this episode could be make sure that you have a plan in place is number one. Number two, when I was listening to Abby talking and talking myself, the second huge thing that came up for me is if you guys are constantly butting heads on this subject, 
there's got to be a way for you to get on a on better footing on the same page. You know, both people might need to compromise a little bit because this isn't going away. So I would hate for it to be a continual, continual, continual fight in your relationship. So having these conversations coming in with a soft approach, understanding that person might have a ton of baggage whether it was the way that they were brought up or, you know, things that they ran into later in life. Like this is a really sensitive subject because it's tied to so much that you don't see or you maybe you don't even know. So um, just wanted to end with just a really soft note of these conversations are hard. I think they are worth having. 